Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for another chance to live, another chance to see another day. We thank you for giving us health and strength, giving us a right mind. We thank you for your your spirit, for your truth. We thank you for what your son did on the cross for us. We thank you that we have an opportunity to come together to encourage each other with your truth, your word, uh, to break down, cast down lies and vain imagination and everything that exalts itself against the true knowledge of Christ. Holy Spirit, guide these words and open the hearts and penetrate the hearts of those, fortify us, empower us, keep us, so that we can do exactly what you called us to do. We give you the glory and the honor. In your name, Jesus, Yahushua, we pray. Amen. So I want to ask you a question tonight. And that question is, will you see the salvation of the Lord? Will you see it? I know that's probably not a question we typically ask ourselves if we say we believe in Jesus Christ, that we were baptized and born again. But that is a question that even after we are uh, born again through the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, we should ask ourselves continuously. And the reason being is because there is many different lies that exist in society that has made its way into church institutions that has led people to believe that because they made that initial confession, that they are somehow locked into eternity. Jesus Christ said that in Matthew 24, as we see these signs of the end times, the things that are going to happen, he said, first and foremost, beware of false prophets. Beware of false Christ. False Christ means that there is a false Christianity and therefore false Christians. And we have to know the truth, which is only possible through the leadership of the Holy Spirit, in order to ensure that we're not following falsehood. I, I saw a uh, a minister, a very prominent minister, who's uh, posted a uh, a conference. Or I, I looked up and saw a conference that he's hosting uh, next year, and you can show up for the Shepherd Conference if you pay uh, $450. Shepherd in the Remnant. And I thought, well, what if I don't have that $450 or anyone else out there? Does that mean I'm not the remnant? Does that mean I don't get to be shepherd doing that, that event? Will you see the salvation of the Lord? End of the day, it, it goes beyond this mentality that, yes, I'm locked in because I've, I've made a confession. We're going to look at some truths of the gospel so we can discern between the falsehood and the biblical truth that has been left for us so we can walk in what is right and not deceive ourselves. In Numbers 14, this is the the interaction of the Israelites. They're coming out of Egypt. They're in the wilderness. Um, they're, they're refusing to enter Canaan. And verse one, it says, so all the congregation lifted, lifted up their voices and cried, and the people wept at night and the and all the children of the Israel complained against Moses and Aaron and the whole congregation said to them if only we had died in the land of Egypt or if we if only we had died in this wilderness why has the lord brought us to this land to fall by the sword and our wives and children should be victim and we're going to go to verse 20 then the lord said i have pardoned according to your word but truly as i live all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord, because all these men who have seen my glory and the signs in which I did in Egypt and in the wilderness have put me to the test these ten times and have not heeded my voice. They certainly shall not see the land 
which I have swore to their fathers, nor shall any of those who reject me see it. Verse 26. And the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron saying, how long should I bear with this evil congregation who complain against me? I have heard their complaints from their children of the Israelites make against me. Say to them, as I live, says the Lord, just as you have spoken in hearing in my hearing, so I will do to you. The carcasses of those who have complained against me shall fall in the wilderness. God has, t- has told the Israelites who he had performed never before seen miracles that they will not, the first generation that left, they will not enter into his rest. They will not get into the promised land. And the reason being is because they had a different heart, a different mindset. They had a different mentality. They wanted to be a part of Egypt. They wanted to go back to where they came from. And every time they came up against something new, they complained, they murmured against Moses and Aaron. And ultimately it was against God because God was had called them to lead them out of the wilderness. When they came up against the Red Sea and Pharaoh and his army was behind them, Moses told them to stand still so that they could see the salvation of the Lord. The purpose of them standing still was to not operate based on what they think, based on what they believe, which was which is typically fear or doubt or anxiety and all the, all the other different emotions that run through the flesh when we don't trust God. And they got to that place and because their spirit wasn't in the right place, they they went through all those miracles and yet still did make it into the promised land. Now we have to look at the equivalence of Moses freeing the Israelites and the promised land. Moses was a a foretelling. He was a a, a pre-story, if you will, about uh, of Jesus Christ. He resembled what Christ would do when he come. He would rescue people from the enemy and offer them an opportunity into the promised land. But that same opportunity that exists then, obviously the promised land uh, that was on that it was on earth at the time, uh, is the same promised land as it relates to what Christ is doing today. They didn't, it's not that the Israelites didn't know God, or they didn't know that he was God. They saw the miracles. They they saw how they were fed with manna for bread and quail for meat. They saw how their clothes in 40 years never wore out. They knew Moses and Aaron didn't do this. It was God operating through them, how they got Go, went from having um, bitter water to sweet water. They had water come out of a rock, but yet they, like many today, believe they're going to get into the promised land. They say they believe in God. They say they believe in Jesus, the Messiah and what he did on the cross, but their belief does not transfer into their ways, into their actions. I've had a lot of people ask me lately with all that's going on in the world, what should they do? What kind of insights should they should I give them about survival techniques. You know, if you go to church, if you read your Bible, you know anything about end time prophecy, and you would know that we are living in a time that reflects uh, a a great tribulation. The world is getting set up for a great tribulation. And when you see this, people, people, a lot of people see it and they say, they ask me, what should I do? Should I buy a a bunch of survival dry foods and, uh, you know, Make sure I have proper weapons training, all these different things they say. And, and uh, one of the, I believe the reason they ask me these things is because I have experience and 
these areas in law enforcement, military. But I, I, I tell them this. When Jesus Christ told the disciples what's coming, there's two things he told them to do. He said, watch and pray. He didn't say doomsday prep. He didn't say, uh, make sure your financial situation's on point, get the right investment, have a healthy savings account. He didn't say any of that. He said, watch and pray. And when I think of the mentality of the, of the questioning that I received, I start thinking of the Israelites, how God had brought them through all that they've come through. And yet, now they're coming up onto what already was told is going to happen, and they still complain against God. And they wanted a better strategy. They didn't believe that God could help them defeat the, the Canaanites and anybody else that was coming along the way. So they were stretching out, looking for different resources and opportunities and options, asking me what should they do to survive what's coming. And that, in the end of the day, is a slap in God's face because every believer who knows what's coming can look back over their life and see what God has brought them through. He was faithful all the way through your birth to today. And yet now we're, we, we don't believe he can be any more faithful. We all of a sudden, he's going to bring us this far and let us just fall by the enemy or some disaster or whatever the case may be. In verse 24 in Numbers chapter 14, he says, but my spirit, my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit in him, and he has followed me fully, I will bring him into the land where he went, and his descendants shall inherit it. He had a different spirit inside of him. The Bible says that he followed him fully. He wasn't half-stepping. He didn't have one foot in how to strategically overcome the end times, and the other foot in, well, I believe God is going to make a way. There is no way to say we believe in the true God, the God of heaven, Yah, and and still seek strategic ways to survive hard times. That means we don't truly believe what we read. That means we, end of the day, our heart is not fully for him. And one question I always ask people when they challenge what I share, according to what's in the scripture, when it talks about going to heaven and everlasting life, I said, how is it that you can believe that you can go to heaven with your own desires of how you want to live your life and your goals, your dreams, your bucket list. But yet the son of the morning, Lucifer, was kicked out of heaven, an angel, because of his own desires. That is deception. We're not talking about a moment with God or a church service or a Bible study, a podcast or a quick prayer in the morning. We're talking about everlasting life. We're talking about forever. The only way for us to be in eternity with God is to have a complete heart for him. To live in this place of fear, of anxiety, worry, doubt, that's not a heart for God. There was no one in the Bible he has ever blessed, he has ever kept, he has ever provided for than those who have fully trusted in him. If, if Joseph would have had this, I can't believe what they're doing to me. How can I end up in this situation mentality? He would have never came out of prison. Obviously, God allowed him to utilize his gift that he gave him to interpret dreams because he didn't have a heart that was halfway in and halfway out of, of God. Hebrews chapter four, verse one says, therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest, let us fear lest any of you seem to have come short. 
For indeed, the gospel was preached to us as well as them, but the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. For we who have believed do enter the rest. And he said, as he said, I swore in my wrath, they should not enter my rest. This is talking about the Israelites. God in his wrath, he was tired of dealing with them. He was frustrated. He said, after all I've did, after all I have shown you, provided for you, defeated every enemy around you, brought you out of bondage, and now you you still have to complain, you still have to become, uh, you're frustrated. God was not pleased with that at all. And he said it didn't, the, the, the gospel was preached to them and it had no profit. There was no benefit in the gospel because they didn't mix it with faith. Now, here's where a lot of Christians get stuck with this faith understanding. They believe faith is simply belief. Well, when you look at what is made mentioned here about the Israelites, that is not what faith means because it was their actions, the product of their faith that caused them not to enter into the rest, the promised land. What we believe about God, what we believe about the Father and what he does for us or what he says he will do for us, our life has to match that. It has to align with that or else we really don't believe. And if we really don't believe, then we are deceiving ourselves to say, yes, I'm going to be in heaven with God. I'm going to be saved. I'm going to be raptured. I'm going to be kept in the end time. That's not true. That's the enemy telling us something that is almost true so that we can journey on doing what we want to do. In Revelation chapter 3, verse 7, when the angel over the Philadelphia church receives the word of what Christ has for them, he tells them, he says, you know, I know your works. And their works was that they did not deny his name and they kept his word. They were considered a faithful church because their works reflected what they believed. They didn't throw in a towel. They didn't quit. They didn't give up. Now, do we struggle along the way? Absolutely. And a big part of that struggle, I'm confident in saying this, is because most of us don't know the truth of the Holy Spirit. And that's the bottom line for most people. We don't realize the magnitude of the Spirit of God, the reason why he was sent. There was, There's no way to love God. There's no way to obey him without his Spirit. And it's proven because when you go back to Numbers, you say, Caleb, the Bible says that he had a different spirit and that different spirit enabled him to follow God fully, not partially. So many churches are used to people speaking in a different language, falling out on the floor and running all over the place as a touch from the Holy Spirit. We still have people saying, come now, Holy Spirit, pour, come down on me, pour down on me. The Holy Spirit's already here. This is why I make so much noise, if you will, sound noise about the Holy Spirit. I want to ring the bell extremely loud because the same people who will tell you that they were sealed with the Holy Spirit, so they're going to go to heaven, have no clue of what the Holy Spirit really means, who he is. If we want to do the will of God, which means we want to go to heaven, then we need to be enabled. And we need to be enabled by the Spirit that that causes us to, that, that wars against our flesh, that doesn't It doesn't make our flesh feel good. That's the spirit of Satan, the spirit of the Antichrist. We are to be challenged in this walk. We should never get to a place in this walk we feel like, oh, we're just, we've made it. We're comfortable. We hit the cruise control 
and were riding in the victory. That was never in the life of anybody God had called who he considered righteous, someone after his own heart. They constantly came up against adversity. And that was a sign that they were walking in the truth only enabled by the spirit of God. There isn't one that was perfect. Even Moses, who God had called, didn't make it into the promised land because he acted with a spirit that was contrary to God's spirit. We are living in the season of mass deception. There are so many preachers out here who are talking about they have the answer. They have the way. They have the truth. They can show you the life. Most of them charge you a fee, a cover fee to get in or compare you to pay a cover fee at the end of whatever they're talking about. They have these steps and strategies. They have all these different tools and techniques and ways, methods for you to have peace and, and discernment. I heard a preacher say that to be Holy Spirit filled is to be scripture saturated. That's blaspheming all the way around the corner because you had disciples who walked with the word that became flesh, which was Christ, the Messiah, Yahushua. And they couldn't grab nothing that he was saying. They would most times were just dumbfounded, going to him quietly so they wouldn't be embarrassed. And they asked him, what do these things mean? But when they received the Holy Spirit, that's when the truth was made known to them. I was talking to one of my members uh, here recently, and she was telling me how her mother has this strong prayer for relationship with God, but she has a second grade reading ability. So what do you say? This person is not filled with the spirit of God because they can't read like you can. Obviously, they're not scripture saturated if they're not able to read as fluently as, mo as most people who are able to. The Bible says when you receive the Holy Spirit, then you should have power, not you should have power when you read the Bible. If that's the case, then how come there's so many Christians who are powerless? How come you walk into church institutions, you don't see healing? You don't see true miracles. People come there all messed up with all kinds of problems and leave the same or worse. No one came into the presence of Jesus Christ seeking to overcome, to be healed, to be uh, resurrected and left the, left the same or worse. They came and they were renewed. They were changed. The old was taken away. The new had come. This is, we need the Holy Spirit and we need to be, uh, empowered by the Holy Spirit, understand the truth so that we can see the salvation of the Lord. We are not going to see this salvation if we don't have a heart fully for him. You will not find one place in the Bible where God rescued a single person who didn't turn from their wicked ways. Too many Christians are talking about hurry up and go vote because we need to turn America around. Hurry up and go do all these different things so we can get the inflation down. Make sure you get the right candidate. Don't vote for this person. Don't vote for that person. I can tell you biblically, that is unbiblically, unbiblical. That is not scripture based. There is nothing in the scriptures that tells a disciple or follow Jesus Christ to vote for anything. We are to be witnesses. We are to be living proof. We are to go and heal the sick, cast out demons, raise the dead. I mean, we are supposed to be completely opposite to the world, not celebrating traditional things that are, that are against God and what he commanded us to do. We need to know the truth and we need to walk according to such. As a child of God, we must renounce our heart for this world. Whatever we got going on in our personal life that's hindering us, we need to look at those things and we need to 
We need to speak the truth, apply the word to them and walk according to such. The enemy is going to come in every in the life of every believer trying to distract them with lies, with falsehood, you name it. He's going to come in and try to get us to believe something completely different. But God is saying in this season that we need to fix our eyes on Jesus Christ. We don't need to look to the left or the right. We can't have one eye in the world and one eye on him. We need to have our both eyes, our heart, our passions fixed on him. Those are the people who will enter into his rest. Those are the ones who will see the salvation of the Lord. We have to get past this mindset that grace is just going to keep on going on and on and on, and we could do what we want. His mercy endure forever, but his grace doesn't. If his grace did, then those complaining Israelites would have went into the promised land. Moses would have got into the promised land. But that's an indication right there and in so many other places in scripture that his grace has a cutoff point. It'll keep you and allow you to go through so you can see where you're going down the street. That's not that you shouldn't be on. But it's up to us to turn and say, you know what? I need to get back to God. I need to fully commit. I need to put my heart totally in his hands. There are people out there who can't even afford to doomsday prep. They don't have the money to stock their house up with food and water and you know gasoline and all this, all the stuff that they believe they're going to need to make it. And God knows this. That's why he didn't tell Jesus Christ to tell them to make sure they were in a very wealthy place when this happens, when these things occur, when you see all this stuff taking place. He said, watch how you walk, watch how you carry yourself and pray. And the purpose of that was so that you could not be weighed down with all the things that are happening in this world and that we could escape what's coming and be kept all the way up until that time. So I want to encourage us to really understand the truth. We need the Holy Spirit and we have to deny ourselves. The Holy Spirit does not operate in anybody who wants to do what they want to do. We have to yield to his leadership. We have to yield to his divine instructions. That is how we're kept as we continue this journey through the faith. We walk in the faith. We can't we can't get in this this lane, these patterns that everyone else is in doing the same thing I, I was headed home today and I saw this accident up the road and it started to back up the traffic. Now, there was a couple of ways we people could have taken to get around the traffic, but you can just tell that most people were just so used to that road that they didn't decide to do anything. We just sit in the lane. You, they, you could have avoid, they could have literally avoided getting into that traffic because it was a long enough road to see the fire truck and everything else that was up there showing that there was some kind of accident that occurred. But just being so used to the routine, people stayed on that path. I I bust the U-turn as quick as I could. I get out of there. Some people are, in a, some, some people are not going to go to heaven. That's not a that's not an arrogant statement. That's not a self-righteous statement. That's biblical. And no matter how much they hear the truth, no matter how much they hear the gospel and someone witness to them, pray for them, some people are not going. They don't want to go. They don't have that spirit. They don't have that heart. But we have to make sure that we are not in that line with people, with this, this routine of doing stuff that gets us nowhere. We have to separate ourselves, walk circumspectly. This is a call that's been on my heart for some time now. We need to get to know who God really is and what he wants for his children. That's why Paul says, be not conformed of this world, 
to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may be able to know the truth, know what the Lord's will is for our life. So in this season of mass confusion, false prophets and false teachers, let's walk according to the word. Let's put our faith in God 100%. Let's become the faithful church in Revelation chapter 7. Let's hold on to his word. Let's not deny his name and preserve. I see so many Christians falling away, showing up at places they they know they shouldn't be at. That grace is only going to go so long. Let's not keep trying God. Let's tarry in the truth and, and, and see the salvation of the Lord. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your truth. We thank you for your word. We thank you for keeping us. We thank you for allowing us to stand against the enemy with your truth. We know that we need to walk circumspectly, fully after your heart in order to see your salvation. We thank you for the blood that you shed on Calvary. Thank you for the faith that you allowed us to have through your Holy Spirit. You are the truth. You are the life. You are the way. We give you the glory and the honor. In your holy name, Yahushua, the Christ, we pray. Amen.